Welcome to a brand new episode of the Jam Pack Report today for April the 16th of 2020. Of course, my name is Samuel Adams and this is a daily gaming news podcast meant to bring you the hottest gaming news you need to know from around the industry. Hosted on YouTube and podcast services around the world five days a week, it's your one-stop shop for all of the hottest gaming news that you need to know. And right off the bat this morning, the news came hot and heavy because Bloomberg released a report that Sony is planning on a limited PlayStation 5 output in its first year. There's a lot to dive into. Let's go ahead and start breaking it down. Sony plans to produce far fewer units of its upcoming PlayStation 5 in its first year than it had for the previous generation's console launch, according to people familiar with the matter. The Tokyo-based tech giant is limiting its initial production run in part because it expects the PlayStation 5's ambitious specs to weigh on demand by leading to a high price at launch, the people said, asking not to be identified because the subject is private. The global COVID-19 pandemic has affected Sony's promotional plans for the new device, but not its production capacity, they added. The company has told assembly partners it would make 5 to 6 million units of the PlayStation 5 in the first fiscal year ending March 2021, according to other people involved in the machine supply chain. When Sony released the PlayStation 4 in November 2013, it sold 7.5 million units in its first two quarters. The PlayStation 5's loftier price tag might also deter initial take-up. Game developers who have been creating titles for the next PlayStation anticipate its price to be in the region of $499 to $549, and Bloomberg Intelligence's Matthew Canterman points to increased component cost pushing up the price required for Sony to break even. Sony has struggled with its price-setting decision for the PlayStation 5 because of scarce components, Bloomberg News has reported. A Sony spokesman declined to comment, its shares were largely unchanged in afternoon trade. Sony's strategy, according to several people familiar with its plans, will be to rely on incumbent PlayStation 4 models as a bridge to get new users onto the PlayStation platform's network services while the PlayStation 5 remains in limited supply, the people said. Currently, Sony sells the PlayStation 4 for $300 and the higher-end PlayStation 4 Pro for $400. The company may cut these prices around the time of the PlayStation 5 launch to stimulate new subscribers for the PlayStation Plus membership program and PlayStation Now game streaming service, according to the sources. Sony's chief executive officer, Kenichiro Yoshida, has said the company will aim to increase recurring revenue rather than one-time hardware purchases. The PlayStation 5 production volume could still change depending on the COVID-19 situation, according to these sources. Sony has asked employees to work from home to mitigate the spread of the virus, and its board has been unable to meet to approve business plans for the current fiscal year, including those for the PlayStation unit. That meeting was originally supposed to take place in March. Sony said last month that it plans to release results for the year ended March and April 30th, but may be forced to push the date back due to the pandemic. The virus has already upended Sony's promotional plans. The company may forego hosting a public press conference for its PlayStation 5 release date and price unveiling due to infection fears. Recently, it was forced to reveal its DualSense PlayStation 5 controller in a hurried fashion, according to those informed on the matter. While only a small circle within Sony are privy to the appearance of the PlayStation 5 console, the controller has been shared with outside developers and the company feared it could not control leaks, they said. Still, Sony remains unlikely to delay the launch of the PlayStation 5 from the critical year-end shopping season, so long as arch-rival Microsoft Corp. does not push back the release of its next-generation Xbox, also expected at the end of the year, Sony will not delay either, according to these sources.
Some analysts believe the close contest for attention between the PlayStation and Xbox, especially in the US, may force both companies to sell their new consoles at a loss. Quote, I think both the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X may end up at 450, even though they would lose money at that price, said Damian Thong, an analyst at McGuire Capital. Suppliers have started delivering components to PlayStation 5 assemblers who are scheduled to begin mass producing the product by June. Sony's PlayStation chief Jim Ryan has stressed that the machine's launch should be simultaneous around the globe, according to people in the company's supply chain. COVID-19 travel restrictions have prevented Sony engineers from flying to China to direct final adjustments before assembly plans go into mass production. Sony's assembly partner has voiced concern last month about meeting the production deadline. However, those worries have since been abated and it should now be able to meet Sony's requested schedule, people familiar with the discussion said. On the software front, Sony has publicly warned that the COVID-19 pandemic may affect the game production pipeline for titles destined for its next console, which is a problem the entire industry is grappling with. So lots to break down. First and foremost, let's talk about these potential prices. Again, between $500 and $550. Honestly, I'm still shocked that it's not pushing $600. I do believe that this analyst could be really uh, grasping for straws when it comes to the console being priced at $450. And let's not mince words, if the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5 are either priced at $450, money will be lost, and normally that wouldn't necessarily be a problem because there would be a huge uptick in software sales. This is a trend that we see time and time again every time a new console is revealed and released, you do have a huge uptick in software itself. For instance, at the beginning of the PlayStation 4 life cycle, you had stuff like Battlefield 4, you had Killzone Shadowfall, you had FIFA. Just a few games came out at launch, but more and more people purchased these because they needed something to play. If almost every game that is slated to come out for the PlayStation 5 at launch is delayed, let's say three months, that's going to be a problem. And on top of that, we'll talk about something in just a moment that could also pose a big issue for the PlayStation supply chain. On top of that, uh, 6 million units, that's what they are aiming for according to this report for the first fiscal year when it comes to production, when it comes to the worldwide availability. That is very low. That is shockingly low. And I think that right now, it's very difficult to read the situation. Uh, of course, we've all been watching the news. There are many people that are struggling financially right now. There are many people that are without jobs. And so that is inevitably going to have an impact on the adoption rate of a brand new gaming console. Because if people buy this high-end hardware, they have to have money to support that financial decision. And right now, finances are very uncertain. So it could lead a lot of people to wait uh, maybe a year or two. So it could work out. But at the same time, I also think there is a large population uh, that is at home, that is working from home, that is wanting something new. And I think 6 million units worldwide, that's a very low number whenever you consider just how many people might go in and get this machine on day one. So right now, I think Sony is probably going to be struggling uh, with number one pricing. Let's say they price it at $500. It would probably sell out if they only had these 6 million units on hand. And so if that is the case, then you have supply shortages, you have resellers going rampant on eBay. And then on top of that, once somebody finally does get their hands on a brand new PlayStation console, 
you might not have any games to play because they all could be pushed to March or April of 2021. Uh, this is not a good look right now, and I'm not just saying this about PlayStation. The exact same scenario could happen for Xbox as well. So this is a very unprecedented situation, uh, but one that continues to be uh, very, very fluid. It could change in a lot of different ways, for better or for worse. Uh, but I will say, uh, the DualSense reveal, rushed, that sounds like something that I did not expect. It felt very planned to me, uh, but I think that does kind of show us a glimpse behind the curtain that not all is well at PlayStation. And if I had to guess, I would say it's not all roses and buttercups over there at Microsoft either when it comes to the Xbox either. But with that being said, it looks like PlayStation 5 could be limited when it comes out supposedly, hypothetically, later this fall if production goes off without a hitch and if plans continue to stay on track. However, Ghost of Tsushima has been listed with an August release date on PlayStation Canada. It seems The Last of Us Part 2's delay in launch might cause Ghost of Tsushima to be pushed back as PlayStation Canada has changed the release date for the game to August the 1st. The COVID-19 pandemic has already affected many release schedules within the industry, causing a bunch of anticipated titles to get delayed to a later date. Recently, Sony and Naughty Dog officially revealed they will not be able to release The Last of Us Part 2 in May due to the unpredictable challenges caused by the current outbreak. Thus far, they have not revealed a new date for launching the game, but even if Sony decides to push it back for a single month, it could be very close to the release date for Ghost of Tsushima, which is slated to be available on June the 26th. While it would not be surprising to hear a delay in launch for Ghost of Tsushima, PlayStation Canada has changed the release date of the game to August 1st, which could be an unofficial hint at a possible delay of the game. Since releasing Infamous Second Son as a launch window title on PlayStation 4, Sucker Punch has been working to develop Ghost of Tsushima. The game follows the story of a samurai on the island of Tsushima whose homeland has been taken over by the Mongolian army. Playing as Jin Sakai, your mission is to sneak into the enemy territory and take them down thanks to your veteran ninja skills. Coronavirus' spread in the world has affected lots of Sony's plans for the current year, and of course we just talked about the recent report from Bloomberg as they reference here in Dual Shockers. Or should I say dual sensors? Haha! <laughs> I liked that joke on their Twitter. Uh, but Ghost of Tsushima coming out potentially in August now. I want to first look at the calendar. Let's see what we've got. Uh, April, May, June, July. August 1st is on a Saturday. That's not going to happen. I think this is a placeholder date. But with that being said, I will also admit that I think that right now, this is definitely writing on the wall that a new release date is going to come. And I think that the article does a good job of pointing out exactly why that's going to be the case. Uh, you don't want The Last of Us Part Two to release on, let's say, June the 19th and then Ghost of Tsushima come out on June the 26th. Although they are very different games in terms of their subject matter, in terms of their gameplay, and in terms of their aesthetic and time, everything about these games is relatively separate from one another, you still have this overlap because they're both giant PlayStation exclusives, and so they are going to cannibalize each other, even if it is just a little bit. But with all of that being taken into consideration, I think that it's wise for Ghost of Tsushima to get a bump. I think that it's not necessarily going to impact the game's life overall, uh, because I'm personally looking forward to Ghost of Tsushima maybe even more than The Last of Us Part Two. I'm very, very into this game. Uh, but I will also say I'm very anticipating The Last of Us Part Two as well. I'm very excited about that game. Uh, and so I think that I'm not alone in that. A lot of people are probably looking to get both of these. But again, as finances are still uncertain, a lot of people can't buy 
two games back to back week after week. That's just not something that's in the cards. So ultimately, it's probably a good decision. But again, nothing is official as of yet, but do not depend on August the 1st as being the release date for this game. That makes no sense. It will not come out on a Saturday. In fact, I think that I have never in my entire life seen a game launch on a Saturday. It's mainly Tuesday and Friday for those that don't know, but hey, guess what? If you need to keep up with the hottest gaming releases of the week, I have the show for you. It's called The Drop. It happens every Sunday. You can find it right here on YouTube.com slash Samuel Adams Media. However, now we have a follow-up story. Warner Brothers Montreal's Batman game is a soft reboot, and it's coming this year according to a report. Now, this game has been leaked a lot, or at least I should say uh, hinted at, teased a lot. Nothing has really been leaked. Uh, it has been pretty tight-lipped around the industry so far when it comes to actually talking about when this is coming, what it's going to be. Uh, but it looks like Warner Bros. wants to kick off another Batman-verse with its next game. According to a new Geeks Worldwide report, the Warner Bros. Montreal Batman game, the studio keeps teasing, is meant to be a soft reboot of the Arkham series. As earlier reports have indicated, the developer initially started out with a Damian Wayne Arkham game, which has since been cancelled. The new game is, as many suspected, connected to the Court of Owls. More interestingly, the report says the game will introduce co-op and feature a playable Bat family. As a reboot, the project will also kick off its own universe with NDC. The next game in that universe will be Rocksteady's mysterious new project, according to the report. The game is said to be coming this fall, so expect a full reveal soon. And indeed, publisher Warner Bros. had plans to host an E3 presentation for the first time this year, but the coronavirus pandemic has disrupted those. And of course, we have been, as I said, hearing about this game a lot. Uh, but I think this does make sense, uh, and part of me says yes, and part of me says no as to is this a good idea, uh, because the Arkham name is very powerful. When people think about games like Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and Arkham Knight, uh, they think about fluid combat, they think about these dense worlds, they think about one of the best superhero games of all time. Uh, these are truly phenomenal pieces of art, and I think that they really accomplish what so many games fail to do, and that is to create a living, breathing world. I think that I can go as far as to say, without the Arkham games, you wouldn't have stuff like Spider-Man on the PlayStation 4. Uh, without Arkham, you would not have stuff like Shadow of Mordor in the same way you have today. The combat that was developed was something very special that is very hard to replicate for a lot of people, and it's something that I think should definitely be kept into the series. Uh, but when it comes to storytelling, I don't think that it's necessarily a bad time to reboot the series. I think that uh, a Batman reboot would make sense to get new people in, especially as we have a new console generation coming. I think that if this is going to be coming out either cross-generational on the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One, as well as the next generation, or even as a next-gen exclusive, you could be seeing something that gives a new life uh, to the DC games on the next-gen consoles. And a very well could spell a lot of good fortune for the games that are still coming, again one of which is going to be a brand new game that is going to be coming from Rocksteady. So if you were curious as to how the Batman Warner Bros Montreal project was going, it sounds like it is going pretty well. Almost as well as Cyberpunk 2077, but Xbox has teased an announcement possibly including a special controller. Oh it includes a special controller. Let's, uh, let's not beat around the bush with that. Microsoft has begun teasing a Cyberpunk 2077 announcement, possibly hinting at a hardware reveal. Both the Xbox Twitter account and the Xbox.com site are showing teasers in the form of glitched out video feeds. The Twitter teaser shows lines of code with the final line reading a whole bunch of other stuff with a confirmed message. 
It, it says sh.term.zz434r.arasaka.co. Again, with a confirmed message. Arasaka is a mega corporation central to the cyberpunk fiction. The Xbox site, meanwhile, displays as normal but briefly pauses for a glitched messaging, inducting excuse me, instructing users to return in four days that would put a formal reveal on April the 20th. This all appears to relate to an impending hardware announcement. The Xbox teaser shows the distinct silhouette of an Xbox controller and a console, and meanwhile, the Amazon uh, listing briefly put up a project page, a product page, excuse me, to pre-order a limited edition controller said to release on May the 4th. And so here you have the controller itself. I wasn't really planning on showing this right now, but here you have it. This is exactly what you're going to be getting. So here's the controller, and it looks very neat. It looks very cyberpunk-esque, uh, and you can see the small little details, the nicks, the scratches, and then, of course, you have the close-ups that showcase exactly uh, the aesthetic of the controller itself. I really like the red left bumper and the black right bumper. For some reason, that's really vibing with me, and I'm curious as to whether or not this is one solid piece of plastic right here, because it looks like this crack uh, could indicate two different faceplates that have been chopped in half. Very neat. I like it. I like it. But we also got a non-official confirmation that this is what the console itself is going to look like. Now, admittedly, very low resolution image, but it does match what you can expect to get. It looks like this is the official box art for the brand new Cyberpunk 2077 Xbox One X. Uh, I'm not as big a fan of the console as I am of the controller. Why would you go with that color scheme? Why wouldn't you stick with the gray on black and the red? Oh man, you know, if you put a red light on the Xbox logo on the front of that thing, whenever you push it and it makes the little ding, Hey, you could even do the Taco Bell route and make some kind of unique sound for startup. That would be phenomenal. Uh, but no, it looks like they didn't go with that, uh, which is relatively unfortunate. So not the most beautiful console in the world, although it does match slightly the graphics cards that were revealed and, and teased a couple of months back. But man, that controller, that controller looks nice. Big fan of that one. Big fan of that. So if you want to check out the game itself, of course, it's coming out this fall. It's going to be Coming out on September the 17th, when CD Projekt Red expects retail stores to be open again. And of course, we have another big news story to dive into today. Jason Schreier is leaving Kotaku after eight years for another outlet. Now, there is a large piece of content from Jason Schreier over on Kotaku. If you did want to go read it, he talks very plainly about why he's leaving. He's very blunt about uh, the deadspin drama that has been going on over the course of the past year or so. Uh, but I wanted to read from Gamer Revolution to go ahead and just kind of uh, take away any bias or anything. I wanted to get a third party's perspective. Noted investigative game journalist Jason Schreier is leaving Kotaku. After eight years of digging into some of the most interesting stories in video games, Schreier will soon be working for another outlet, which he has so far declined to name. I've been through a lot with Kotaku. Since 2012, we have been through a whole lot of management shifts when reg resignations and firings and drama, Schreier told the Washington Post. I've been through a lot of cataclysmic shifts because it always felt like, through it all, we were guided by people who always cared about journalism, and unfortunately, I'm not sure that's the case anymore. Schreier's departure from Kotaku also means that he will no longer be hosting Kotaku's split screen. Instead, he will be starting up the Triple Click podcast, which you can follow on Twitter. This brand new podcast will feature Schreier along with his co-host, Maddie Myers and Kirk Hamilton. While a new podcast and a new job serve as interesting prospects for the future, Jason Schreier will be spending the next few weeks focusing on something much more important, his daughter. 
He'll also be spending a bit of time working on his upcoming sequel to Blood, Sweat and Pixels, but for now you can read his final article over on Kotaku. And today was actually Mr. Schreier's last day uh, at Kotaku entirely, and here is the article in question if you did want to give it a, a good perusal, if you will. But one thing I want to say is that Jason Schreier is a controversial individual in the gaming industry. A lot of people love him, a lot of people hate him. That's just what it comes down to. Uh, personally, I love his work. I think that he is a phenomenal writer. I think that when it comes to gaming journalism, there is a bit of a stigma surrounding it where it's not real journalism. It's something uh, that is more akin to your MTV or it's something that's more akin uh, to your entertainment news, uh, Entertainment Tonight perhaps, where nothing that is discussed is really taken seriously. And Jason Schreier is one of the people in the gaming industry that does things differently. I have a huge respect for the way that he dives into stories and the way that he really tries to get to the bottom of of stuff that we might not necessarily talk about or acknowledge in the gaming industry. The topics about Red Dead Redemption 2 and crunch culture at uh, Rockstar are the first stories that come to mind for me. I think that is something uh, that is valuable. It's shining a light on what's happening in the gaming industry and it's not just talking about, hey, guess what? SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom is coming out June 23rd or whatever it might be. He's legitimately diving in and giving you very valuable information and really holding people accountable and he's doing what journalists are supposed to do. Uh, that's very impressive to me and I'm a big fan of his. Um, now admittedly, uh, politics might not always line up. The belief system might not always line up, but that's what makes us all individuals. I have a huge respect for him as a person. I have a huge respect for the work that he does. And I think that a lot of people feel like it's an all or nothing kind of situation where you have to be completely aligned with somebody where you have to be completely against them. That's not the case at all. You can, in fact, really appreciate somebody, love their work and love who they are as a person and have some disagreements. But Anyways, this is not a philosophy podcast. This is a gaming news podcast. Uh, but again, congrats to Mr. Schreier on eight years at Kotaku. Uh, and quite frankly, I think this uh, website's going to be going downhill pretty quickly after you leave. Uh, but to round off today's show, after many rumors have been circulating over the course of the past few days, Crisis Remastered is coming to PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. But can it run Crisis? When it comes to new hardware, it's a question almost as old as time itself. If you ever wondered if the Switch, with its modest Nvidia Tegra X1 processor, can play the game, the Xer is excuse me, the answer is, as it turns out, yes. Following a leak earlier in the day, Crytek has confirmed it's working on a remaster of the 2007 game that will come out this summer on PlayStation 4, Windows PC, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. Crisis Remastered features a variety of graphical enhancements, including support for software-based ray tracing to make the first-person shooter look good as new. Crytek is also co-developing the release with help from Saber Interactive, the studio that helped bring The Witcher 3 to the Nintendo Switch. After coming out on PC, Crisis was later ported to PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 in 2011, and the game was famous for its punishing system requirements. Even to this day, Crisis can still melt PCs. If Crisis Remastered can run on the Nintendo Switch, presumably Crytek has done some work to make the game friendlier to modern hardware. 
So right off the bat, uh, very cool. Personally, I think this is a wiser decision uh, in terms of what was the good move here. Should you have created a brand new game? Should you have continued with Crisis 4? Should you have done a reboot? Should you have done a remaster? I feel like a remaster is number one simpler uh, to accomplish because you have the storyline, you have the game itself. You just have to make things look prettier in certain new textures and kind of revamp it. Uh, I also want to mention that Saber Interactive is doing some very impressive stuff with the Nintendo Switch. If you have not actually taken the time to look at The Witcher 3 on the Switch, it's not nearly as good as the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and especially the PC version of the game, but it's running on a Switch, and the entire game is on the cartridge, if I remember correctly. Uh, don't quote me on that, give that a Google, but I think it's all on the cartridge. That's really neat. And so I think that this is the perfect partner to bring Crisis to the Nintendo Switch. Uh, but I personally will probably dive back into this on the Xbox One X. I think this is something that I would love to play over the summer. It seems like a very lighthearted kind of FPS, and I'm sure that it's going to be somewhere between 30 and 40 bucks, something like that. Uh, but you can check out more information. Of course, the official trailer, the teaser is up right now on YouTube, as well as on Crisis.com if you did want to give it a look. Uh, but very excited to see where this goes, and it could be teasing that something new is going to be coming out in the world of Crisis, because remasters tend to proceed, they tend to hint at other projects that are coming in the future. But that rounds out today's episode of the Jam Pack Report. If you enjoyed this one, drop me a like down below and let me know what you think about everything we talked about today. Are you going to be getting a PlayStation 5 at launch, or at least are you going to try to? On top of that, what about these delays? Are software piece is going to be delayed well into 2021. I would love to hear your thoughts down below on that and everything else we talked about today. But until next time, you guys have a fantastic rest of your night. I'll talk to you soon and peace.